She really did that. She really, she really did that. She's like, it'll be fine. Everyone's too drunk. I think Gideon heard that and fell in love. Let's be real. (laughs) Renditions of Cats the Musical. Yeah. Please. Hello, and welcome to Young Adult Adult Reviews, where two young-ish adults review books meant for much younger adults. Or children. I'm Chloe. And I'm Honor, and this week we are discussing the Precious Stone Trilogy by Kirsten Gear. And if you haven't read it yet, here's the spoiler warning. Content warning for briefly mentioned eating disorders? Gwyneth Shepard has spent her whole life in her cousin Charlotte's shadow. Charlotte is special. She possesses the time-traveling gene that has been passed down through her family that enables her to spontaneously time travel. Despite this, Gwyneth can also see ghosts, something that no one believes her about. Unfortunately, there's just one problem. Gwyneth is the one who possesses the time-traveling gene, as she finds out one day as she's whisked away to the past for a moment. This happens three times, and once, she sees herself kissing a boy that she doesn't recognize. She's totally unprepared for this, and isn't even sure how it's possible. She was born on the wrong day to carry this gene. When she talks to her mother about it, she is taken to the secret time-traveling society known as the Guardians. Her mother reveals that she falsified Gwyneth's birth documents to have her born a day later than she really was in order to give her a normal childhood. After a quick time travel test, Gwyneth is undeniably acknowledged as the twelfth and final time traveler needed to close the circle and fulfill the secret prophecy, the ruby. Gwyneth feeds her blood to a machine known as a chronograph. This enables her to travel through time smoothly and avoid uncontrolled jumps. This is the second chronograph made. The first one was stolen by her cousin Lucy and her boyfriend Paul back in the 90s before Gwyneth was even born. They're AWOL now and considered very dangerous. In any case, the first chronograph collected the blood of the 12 historical time travelers in order to reveal the secret, and they had to start over after Lucy and Paul. Gwyneth travels back in time with Gideon de Villiers, a totally insufferable, annoying, and dreamy time traveler. Spoiler, he's the boy she saw herself kissing. (gasps) Okay, let's not be dramatic about this. Be as dramatic as I want. Gideon makes Gwyneth's introductions to Count St. Germain, the first time traveler. Gwyneth is suspicious as hell about the Count, who she thinks is telepathic. After the meeting, the carriage takes Gideon and Gwyneth off their planned route, and they have an assassination attempt put out on them. Gwyneth and Gideon manage to ward them off, buying themselves enough time before going back to the present. Gideon and Gwyneth need to talk to Gwyneth's great-great-grandmother to get her blood for the chronograph, and in order to avoid another ambush, pick a totally random date and time. Surprise! Paul and Lucy are waiting there for them, armed and dangerous. Lucy and Paul beg Gwyneth to trust them and ask for her to look up the Green Rider. Gideon pulls a gun on Lucy and he and Gwyneth run away, hiding in a church confessional booth where he kisses her. In book two, The Sapphire Blue, we pick right back up where we left off. Except now, Gwyneth can see a gargoyle demon named Zamarius who will, for some reason, stick around. They're back in the present now. Gideon gives some tragic backstory, like how his mom is a gold digger and how he views his time-traveling gift as a curse. Everyone thinks that Gwen leaked the location info to Lucy and Paul, so they exile her of 1948 while they have a private conversation. There she meets her grandfather, Lucas Montrose, and asks him for help in figuring things out, including all this Green Rider business. In the present day, Gwen has to learn how to be a good time-traveler and fast. She has a soiree to attend, whereupon she drinks way too much punch and sings Cats the Musical. 
The green rider turns out to be a GPS code, but we'll come back to that later. Gideon and Gwyneth return to the soiree the next day, and Gwyn overhears Count St. Germain congratulating Gideon on tricking Gwyneth by making her fall in love with him. Angry and heartbroken, Gwyneth storms out. In the epilogue, Paul receives some secret papers from Alistair, but gets into a scuffle that Gideon saves him from. Paul urges Gideon to read the papers and to save Gwyn's life. In the final book, the Green Rider turns out to be a treasure that is hiding in the walls of Gwyn's house. Mr. Bernard, their butler, says he's the one that put it there, and offers to help them get it out. It turns out to be a chronograph! (laughs) As Gwyneth uses it to do time travel shenanigans and gets some answers, she gets stabbed with a sword, but materializes in the present unharmed. She did almost die, but surprise! She's immortal! Gideon reveals to her what the secret document said. Gwyneth's death will close the circle and fulfill the prophecy to create the Philosopher's Stone. Gwen also learns that Lucy and Paul are her real parents. Gwyneth's history teacher, Mr. Whitman, reveals himself as Count St. Germain, who has changed his face through plastic surgery. He was immortal before Gwyneth was born and now wants to close the circles on the second chronograph in order to gain the Philosopher's Stone. In order to get this, though, Gwyneth must take her own life over love. Lucy and Paul hid in 1912 with the chronograph because they knew the truth of this matter. Mr. Whitman goes to kill Gideon, but Gideon gets up unharmed. Gideon reveals that he has closed the circle on the second chronograph and has taken the Philosopher's Stone for himself. The Guardians take care of Mr. Whitman, whatever that means, and Gideon and Gwyneth live out the rest of their days as immortals. The The end. end. Honor, what did you think of this book? So I'm kind of biased because I read this years and years ago, and Mm -hmm. I loved it then. And I have read it many times since, and I still love it now. So great book, fantastic, absolutely would reread it. <laughs> but it's not perfect. I hate to say it, it's not perfect. There's a oh, lot yeah. of there's a lot of <laughs> problems, but I love it so much. Oh, and we'll get into the problems. I like to do a little bit of research on these books and the reception of it before we go into the episodes with it. And a lot of the reviews I was reading was like, I read this when I was little. And there was nothing really special about it, but I really liked it, so I read it again. Like, that is the general (laughs) consensus. Like, it's not special, there are so many problems in it, but I loved it. So I guess I would have to agree with that assessment, I believe, because it's like, the first book could be the first half of a book. Like, there is no reason that what happened in that first book had to take up the entirety of a book. It could have been cut and condensed into Mm -hmm. something much more streamlined, essentially, you know? (laughs) See, but I think that follows into the idea of the time, like when this was published, that trilogies are what does best in the book world. A lot of times you can either do a duology or a trilogy, and duologies aren't really that frequent, and any more books than three is just not really seen at all. No, exactly. Like, the 2010s was a hot hot spot in the market for trilogies. So I do Mm -hmm. believe that she had, like, a really excellent, like, two book story or this could have been one book but i think that she had to pad it out because the drama if it was only one book would be like so sad it would be the same (laughs) except i would be more patient with it because i listened to the audiobooks of these first two books eight hours last book 13 hours nothing happens in the second book it doesn't progress our understanding of the story or the world as we know it as a whole literally like double 
Yeah, yeah. Visually, it's also like double. It's crazy. And the first book just ends in such a weird place. First of all, she time travels three times before she tells anyone. And we're well over halfway <laughs> through the book before anything actually starts to be done about her time traveling. She's mostly just bubbling no. around like an idiot. Because she literally time travels and then she's like, no, it can't be me. <laughs> she, well, she's like, it's not like it can't be me. It's not supposed to be me. I'm afraid to tell anyone, which is realistic. But for the sake of the goddamn plot, get over it, woman. I think Gwynny stays pretty consistent throughout her character in the entire trilogy. It's always that way where she's kind of whiny. She's very hesitant to make her moves and she takes way too long to do anything <laughs> No, right. Like, that's absolutely true. I think as far as main characters go, Gwyneth is kind of a passive one. She um, is. And that things just kind of happen around her and everyone else does things. You could have focused the story in on any number of characters and it probably would have been more interesting than Gwyneth's point of view. Like, okay, no, Gwyn because like Leslie and the brother. <laughs> oh my God, please. Leslie and Nick were comedic relief to the max. Right. So then again, that's also on the note of a lot of characters pad out the story in a way that seems excessive. I think multiple characters serve the same purpose. She has two little siblings and a best friend and all of them are comedic relief, you know? Like you have yeah. Charlotte and her aunt and both of them are bitches. Aunt Maddie kind of fades into oblivion as the person who like gives her information. I think her role kind of gets replaced with her grandfather. And then Zamarius for some reason comes in. I love Zamarius. He's, like, funny or whatever. I liked him better than Bill in Fallen. For some reason, the series gave me Fallen vibes, but better. Yeah. <laughs> I hated it less than Fallen. I don't know if it's, like, the talking gargoyles or what, or maybe the time travel shenanigans, but something about this series feels like Fallen but done better. Was that just me? I mean, I'm biased, so yes. <laughs> no, not, okay, but did it feel like I mean, Fallen? In the, like, angsty teen girl that doesn't really do anything but has to solve this big problem and everybody around her is, like, helping her through it because she cannot do it alone. No, right. And she's all in love and obsessed with this one boy and that's all she can do the whole time. Mm -hmm. Yes. On that note, Gideon's point of view would have been infinitely more interesting because he has that agency that Gwyneth lacks and yet mm -hmm. also preserves that sense of mystery surrounding Lucy and Paul. Because exactly, I think that like Gwyneth comes into this world that she has been shut out from because it was always meant to be her cousin. So she doesn't know anything. She doesn't know jack shit. And the thing is that no one's telling her anything. And even in the second book, we know as much as Gwyneth does, which is essentially fucking nothing. I think it would have been nice to head in with Gideon, Gideon's point of view, where there's what he knows. And then there's still that aspect of mystery surrounding by how Lucy and Paul's actions aren't adding up. I don't think that Gwyneth is a very strong female character, if I would rather she's read not. from the point of view of her boyfriend. She's not a strong character at all. And the thing is, she has so many opportunities to be. Because, like, yes, she is not strong in a lot of the things that Charlotte learned with the history and all of that. But she's very strong in the ideas of the modern era and society in general and just communicating with other people and there's so much information that she knows just from the movies and the books that she watches that she mentions. And in fact, the one that gets me is she references a Harry Potter book, like very specifically references it. And then later it's brought up that they're talking about when the circle is complete and the chronographs have all of the blood that the Philosopher's Stone will be created. 
And this takes place in London. So Philosopher's Stone, very clearly in Harry Potter, was called Philosopher's Stone in the, in the UK version. What's the Philosopher's Stone? Not literally. And I was like, <laughs> how do you not guess that it could be immortality? And there is another problem at play here. Because curing all the ales of the world is not what the Philosopher's Stone is. Mm-hmm. It's literally the same plot where you have an evil villain trying to get this Philosopher's Stone so he can be immortal forever. And she's like, what's the Philosopher's Stone? What are they? It's totally what they're going to use it for. So it's like, no, no. Nicholas Flamel, honey, book one. Book one. Not even Leslie picked up on that. And I was like, please. No, I think it's so funny that Gwyneth and Leslie really shine in their pop culture references. And everyone kind of looks down on them for it. But they're kind of icons for it. Because Gwyneth, like, when they go back in time, they have to dress to the period. And Gwyneth is recalling all these, like, historical dramas with, like, Mila Kunis and Natalie Portman and Nicole Kidman. And she's Mm -hmm. like, oh, my God, I'm going to be just like all my favorite movie stars, which I think is so funny and really endearing. But mm-hmm. beyond that, she's just kind of sassy sometimes and scared most of the time. Yeah. I would have liked to see a little bit more initiative from her because I really do feel like Gideon carried. He did. She has her moments, but they're few and far between. You know what I mean? No, um, absolutely. Like uh, sword fighting. When she has a sword in her hand, I would say that she has a lot more agency physically. Even if she like mm-hmm. doesn't want to kill people, she ends up maiming them. And I, I fuck with her for that, even if she does feel remorse and regret because that's a character arc, you know? Mm-hmm. That's also when she's sneaking around behind other people's backs then she's she's pretty good oh i will say this about gwyneth she's an excellent liar oh she's so good yeah gideon can't lie worth shit and she's like the best way to tell a lie is to make it as detailed as possible so they won't even want to question it they're like no because she starts going off and they're all like please stop and he's just like why are you even speaking i told you not to speak and she's like i saved your ass what do you want from me (laughs) no literally she's like you're welcome so and I he's like, <laughs> yeah, she's an she's an excellent liar. She also loves pop culture. I don't know what else she has going for her. That's pretty much it. Yeah, she's pretty. <laughs> no, also, but she doesn't look like the rest of the women in her family. So she's she's the black sheep of the family because she has brown hair. Ooh, yeah. straight yeah. brown hair instead of curly red. Also, back to the fallen vibes. Okay. Gideon is fallen vibes because <laughs> he is literally cam. He <laughs> No, he literally is like pushing her away and like being so mean to her and he's literally like, "Oh, I tricked you into falling in love with me." And she's like, "Oh, he's so cute." No, literally. <laughs> and that's fallen vibes to a T. You know what? Gideon did have his moments, though. Like, I was not a fan of him as a whole because of the whole, like, I'm going to be so fucking mean to you thing and you're going to fall in love with me for it. But Yeah, he was trying to get her not to fall in love with him, though. That's the funny part. That was all on her. There is a reason for that. And that's another reason why it's, like, fallen vibes because Daniel's like, don't fall in love with me. And then she's like, I'm falling in love with you. Gideon's so self-aware because he's literally like, why do girls like it when boys are so mean to them? How... Did he know to not make her fall in love with him if he didn't know the truth of the circle? Because he had gotten the letters from Paul de Villiers and had read them and he realized- He was mean to her before that. No, because I think the mean before that was generally just because he wasn't really impressed with her. Because you can see oh, in the first Oh, that one just because book, what, he was like an asshole. 
That was yeah. him being like for real. I think so. Yeah. Well, because there's the little bit at the beginning where he's kind of an ass because, you know, she's unprepared. He thinks that she's, what's the, what's the word? Very face value. Like, there's not much to her. A little vapid. Um, yeah, because she's not Charlotte. And when mm-hmm. it's like, well, yeah, that's just because you don't know any girls that are normal. So you think Charlotte's normal. Which roasted um, no bitches. And so I think at that point, he was not impressed with her at all. And I, after that point, I think he started to fall in love with her. And then- In one when, day. He, okay, but this is a teen book. The fall in love never has substance. I know, but I still hate it. <laughs> okay, well, you can hate it, but that's just how they're written. So then he sees her when he travels back in time and he then gets hit over the head. So he thinks that she has tricked him and she's- you know, somehow sneaking around. And that's when he gets very suspicious because at that point he's very much following the path of the guardians and trying to complete the circle mm-hmm. of 12. And he thinks that she's trying to stop it, which she kind of is, but mm-hmm. not to that extent. And so he also thought that she lured him and was upset. Then he became inquisitive and trying to figure out what was going on. Right. And then they started to do better again, and then he got the letter, and then he was trying to push her away. So, mm-hmm. he was mean to her for very specific reasons, but... That is true. Okay, no, you're right Does not excuse that. her behavior on thinking, hey, this is okay to have happen. And pursue. No. I think a lot of Gwen's ideas of love stem from the movies that she watches. Like, she's very much a romantic at heart... Mm. And she is so blind to realities of romance and what it is because of all these movies and stories and things that she has watched where you have to have a fallout for there to be a happy ending and everything like that. So I think she views the way Gideon treats her as the fallout means to the happy ending. I love that we're psychoanalyzing her, but I have to say that's hilarious because Pride (laughs) Pride and Prejudice 2005 is absolutely her favorite movie. Right. And that's an enemies to lovers. Exactly. For sure. So, no, I, I like that angle of psychoanalysis on her. I don't know if that if it was that well thought out, if we're looking at everything else in the story. I don't I like think that it was angle. purposely thought out, but, like, I feel like that's a good explanation for why she is so okay with being treated that way. Yeah, mm-hmm. and idealistic, yeah. No, it's it, that's a good headcanon. That's a good take. I like that. Thank you. Something that I did like, though, like when he was falling in love with her, though, was when she put in his headphones and they danced a waltz together because she needed to learn how to dance. Mm-hmm. And that was cute. I did that. Appreciate was so that. cute. Mm-hmm. Lincoln Park doing a minuet to Lincoln Park. I'd like to know how that looks and sounds. There is a little, little promo. There is movies for each of these books. And yes. they, are, they are in German because the original trilogy is a German trilogy that was translated into English. So they are in German, but there are some dubbed or subbed versions not that the dubbed for English speakers. Phenomenal. Yeah, it's not phenomenal, but it does exist if you don't want to read the t- subtitles. While we're um, on the topic of this originally being published in Germany, the German covers are so much cuter. It's like very Tim Burton-esque. Mm-hmm. And on the first cover, they're like bickering with each other. And on the last cover, they're like in each other's arms. They're just like getting closer <laughs> over the covers. I don't know if you've seen them. It's like literally hilarious. 
I have. They're adorable. What was your favorite Gideon moment? My favorite Gideon moment. Oh, there's there's so many good ones. Okay, honestly, I think the one I like is when... It's not really the cutest, but when she's, like, literally dying. Mm-hmm. And she's, like, seeing everything from in, in the sky. And he's like, please don't leave me. No, and you can tell one. in that moment, even after all the times that he's been like, yeah, I just want to be friends. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. He's like, fuck, I care. <laughs> no, okay, I do like shit like that. That's like a little right? hard comfort bit. I know. Also, um, when he met Paul and Paul was like about to give over the papers mm-hmm. to him and Paul was like, do you love her? And he's like really hesitant, but he's like, yes, I do. And no, I think that's good. the moment he realizes it. Mm-hmm. And it's so cute. Okay. No, anyway. he's like he's chasing after her because at that moment she was like, "Oh, you're like so in love with like Lady Lavinia, and whatnot." <laughs> and he's like, "No, like what?" And then Count Saint Germain is like, "Oh, good job making her fall in love with you. They're easier to trick that way." And she's like, "What the fuck?" And he's like, "Wait." <laughs> <laughs> and then Gideon's like, "Actually, I can use this to help you not die later. Except it didn't work." <laughs> Um, because now that we've, <laughs> no, she ahead. has no standards. <laughs> Absolutely. Now that we've gotten the good things about Gideon out of the way, let's discuss the family tree. There's two main time traveling families. We have the Montrose. The, the male lineage. The male lineage, which is the De Villiers, and the mm-hmm. female lineage, which is, which is the Montrose family. So obviously, like, Gwyneth comes from the Montrose family. Gideon comes from the De Villiers family. Lucy and Paul are from the Montrose and the De Villiers family, uh, male and female, respectively. And this isn't a problem for most of the book until you really think about it. And so Gideon and Paul are cousins. And if Gideon's cousin is Gwyneth's dad, that would make Gideon and Gwyneth cousins once removed. We looked this up, which would make Gwyneth's own children her second cousins. That's just food for thought. If you guys would like to ponder that with us. It's great until there. Don't, Don't think about it too hard. Don't, don't think about it too hard at all. I don't know. They that kind of like... The same grandfather slash great-grandfather. Yeah, like that's that's where it's it fucking little, gets A little me. close. Which is the count. <laughs> Literally, it's nasty. I'm sorry. It's nasty. <laughs> I, I fucking hate incest storylines. Like the third book absolutely went off the rails in a number of Bananas Bonkers ways. But this was like up there for me and uh yeah, in terms of like how much my patients can tolerate yeah. because because like why did you have to do that it wouldn't have been a problem it literally it was wouldn't so have fine been a problem. up until that point it wouldn't have been a problem if the mom that like Gwyneth grew up with was her actual mother it wouldn't have been they, an issue and then they like literally because Gwyn asks him and they try to rationalize it and it's right. just like please stop please stop right now they're like, I guess it's okay as long as we're in love. And it's like, no, it's not okay. Break up. They're like, Adam and Eve were related. <laughs> <laughs> Adam and Eve, not fucking Jack and Jill. <laughs> Jesus. Really but unfortunate. Yeah, that kind of like knocked off quite a few points for me. Because why? I even hate ones where it's like, we're not related, but we grew up together. That disgusts me. So, you know, just like. Why did they have to go there? I think they had to have it so that her lineage was the both combined so that she had the immortality. But make the relation much, much farther up, please. 
Right? Like, do it like fourth cousins, fifth cousins. I could suspend my disbelief for that, but I'd still be a little grossed out. Okay, look, because if you can trace the history and figure it out easily, uh-huh. it's too close. It's too fucking close. No, we <laughs> It's we've too a- close. Because they have a family tree drawn out. And we, like, uh-huh. looked at it, and we were like, okay, so Gideon and Paul are cousins. And we Googled it. What is your... What is your yeah. Because uh, Gideon, father's and cousin? Paul's, Gideon and Paul's fathers were brothers, and they were the twins of Count St. Germain. So they, their sons of Count St. Germain were the twins, mm-hmm. and they both had Gideon and then Paul separately. Mm-hmm. And then Paul had Gwyneth. Mm-hmm. You can trace that. It's too close. (laughs) It's too fucking close. It's too simple. That's like one degree of separation. And it's Paul. Mm -hmm. Another thing that I didn't like, uh, less on like an ethical standpoint, but more on like a what the fuck is happening here. Whenever immortality genes come into play, that's when I start to tune out. Mm -hmm. They did it in Maximum Ride. My beloved, my bane of my existence, Maximum Ride. They did it in this one too. There was no lead up to Gwyneth being just like immortal regularly. That was so mm-hmm. fucking weird. And as soon as they were like, oh, you're immortal, I like tuned out. I was like, nothing fucking matters anymore. Nothing built up to this. There's nothing coming after. I feel like they had to have something to explain why she couldn't die in that moment. Just don't put a sword in her side. Or make it so that the corset actually did stop the sword enough. No, right? In the first book, the world building was really strong, if a little ham handed. Mm-hmm. Because she has this scene with Mr. George, like, he's like, I know you must be so in the dark. So let's do like a, you ask a question, I'll ask a question thing. And it's like ham handed, but it does get rid of a lot of the plot holes. I will say one thing about this series. It has its time shenanigans down. Except there was one question they asked about like the lineage or how like it worked. Oh, what the time travel gene was. They were asking what the time travel gene was. And... They literally explained it to Gwyneth by saying, oh, we don't really know. No, right? What that gene is. They're like, it's a gene, but not really a gene because it depends on the day you were born. So it can't really be a gene. <laughs> exactly. So it's like they kind of have to like step around that. to, And they're just like, yeah, we don't know you. So you don't get to know either. And it's like, yeah. okay. Like, it's that's more of like fair, more of a... but also like not great world building. <laughs> No, right. It's more of like a colloquial use of Jean, which I can suspend my disbelief for that. Whatever. They never explain why Gwyneth can see ghosts and spirits. Well, that's the Raven's magic. That's the Raven's magic? Yeah. That was not clearly explained to me. What? The death. Death is the Raven's magic. Did they ever explicitly say that or was it just like alluded to? It was alluded to with the fact that everyone's like, what's the Raven's magic? What makes her special? And she can see ghosts, but only, I think she only told Mr. George and then later Gideon figured it out. And that was when, when Count St. Germain was there. So he kind of guessed on it too. Wait, But he clearly didn't figure it out. What's the power of the lion? I don't know. Okay. Why does she only have powers? See, like this, there yeah, just, that's like, a that's a good question, but I think that ranges from the fact that the two lineages lined up within her, so she has the male and the female genetics. No, because it 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 is really interesting 
Because on the Wikipedia page for the Ruby Red trilogy, there's a table of all 12 time travelers, which is really interesting. And each time travel aligns with a gemstone, an animal, a tree, and alchemical quality because it's the uh, alchemical steps that you need to take to get to the Philosopher's Stone, which is excellent Mm -hmm. research and world building. And then a tone in like a musical sense because there are 12 notes in a scale or in in a chromatic scale rather. But why have all that information if you're not just gonna use it? It feels like busy work. It feels like the world building equivalent of busy work. Does that make sense? Yes, but also if she did not have things like that in there, I think people would have been worse about her world building. You know what I mean? Like, they would have been on her a lot more. Also, it gives an example of kind of how much everyone was making things so difficult to understand. And there was all of this information that just really didn't make sense. And so it kind of was a part of that. It was given as information for people to think about and focus on rather than what was actually happening behind the scenes. That's an interesting story way to think of it, like, are, are you referring to, like, people in the real world being like, your world building is trash? No, I was, I, well, I started that way and then I finished with within the book. I okay. did not explain that <laughs> correctly, but yeah. No, got you. Well, here's my thing. Like I said, it feels like busy work because it gives the audience something to ooh and ah and be distracted with. But in mm-hmm. it, it doesn't really give us anything of substance that we can use to build our understanding of the world that we're living in with relevant information. Because like, yes, I'm sure they have the annals and like everything has existed for like hundreds and hundreds of years and it's very in depth, but I would appreciate kind of a more selective piece of information. Cause it also does this wonderful thing where it starts off the chapters with pieces of world building information, which I'm not opposed to. I think that's fine, but I just feel like it's extraneous, I guess. I don't know. I guess that's the word I'm looking for, extraneous. Hmm. That's my two cents. I definitely feel like a lot of it doesn't kind of explain what it really should, but I think there is a reason behind it. Just kind of, like you said, it it is meant to be busy work, but I think not only for the readers, but also for the story itself and the characters within. I feel like- it definitely doesn't answer everything. There's a lot of questions that were never answered. That just feels like- I have a list of. (laughs) I don't know. Go go through your- a uh, list of questions that were never answered because I've said all I need to say. Okay, so, so my far. question is, why is it their family? Like, they say they have these genes, right? But then, so it miraculously comes into their family, right? And there's only going to be 12, and they know there's only going to be 12. But then it's like, okay, well, why is it there? Why are they special? Like, what is, what is it? Why is, why? None of that is ever explained. I believe that is alluded to, and stay with me here. Okay. There is that little kind of like subplot at the soiree in book two, where at the soiree, she meets this sect of people called the the Florentine Alliance. And the Florentine Alliance is something meant to rid the earth of demons who they believe that time travelers are some of those. So I feel like St. Germain was making deals with the devil or something because like we have like this dark magic and like a framed as science, but I do believe it stems from the occult. It's not scientific, even though they got like Isaac Newton in on it or whatever. Yeah, Isaac Newton predicted the days that all the time travelers would be born on. That's an important plot point, I guess. So I think that's an interesting theory, Mm -hmm. but There are holes even with that. First, it was never actually said in the books, so it could be alluded to. But second, he wasn't the first time traveler. I thought he was. It's, no. There's there's like three lines, two or three lines before him. 
Because I thought it was just Saint Germain playing the long game to try and get the Philosopher's Stone. Because why was he the immortal one, if that's the case? Hold on. We need the Wikipedia in front. It's like reading fucking Dune. You need the Wikipedia in front of you. Okay, no, the first time traveler was Lancelot de Villiers. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's supposed to be like Lancelot from King Arthur. I think it's a little old for that. I think it's a little late for that, about 300 years too late. Okay, so Robert Leopold or Count St. Germain. Yeah, there were like four people before him. Well, what the fuck? I don't, I don't know. Exactly. So then why was he immortal? Because he took the powder from the first chronograph. He took the immortality power. How did he get the... How did he close the circle? So, if you remember correctly... Okay. Um, they had it so that Gideon and Gwyn had already closed one chronograph. That was yes. the one that Lucy and Paul had taken back with them. So that way Count St. Germain couldn't have it. Yes, I, I know that. Right. So he had that one. Okay. They had already he had gotten that, that one? one. I thought he Lucy had and that Paul powder. Were hiding it. I thought that was the he one in the powder. walls. It is, but he had the powder because they finished the the circle when they try and traveled back without the guardians' help. How'd they get Gwyneth's blood for that? So, so when Gwyneth had gone back to see her grandfather the third or fourth time. She had found the chest, but they hadn't figured out what the key was, and they were trying to get it out of the wall. And she was discussing with her grandfather about what it was going to be and what he had left her to figure out. And he realized that he left her the chronograph that Lucy and Paul had taken back in time originally. Yes. So then, during that trip, they read her blood into the chronograph there because she didn't know how to do it. So she read her blood in there. Okay. Okay. And that is when when she got back, she was able to use that chronograph to travel on her own accord back in time because she had her blood already read into it. Yes. All it needed at that point was Gideon's. Yes. So they eventually read Gideon's into the chronograph and she and he both went in the third book and solved some of the last couple of plot holes. So when they did that, he had the powder and he had it kept in his pocket. He was carrying it around with him. Yes. So then they had to to take the final trip with the Guardian's chronograph, chronograph number two, back to the Count, who then told Gideon that he had to go to Lucy and Paul and get their blood while Gwyneth stayed with the Count. So Gideon went back to do that, and the Count poisoned Gwyneth. Yes. So Gideon traveled and got the blood from Paul and Lucy, went back and put it into the second chronograph, the chronograph they, the Guardians had, mm-hmm. and then brought the powder back to the Count. Okay, yes. So that's how the Count became immortal. And then Lucy and Paul made sure that Gideon took the other powder. Okay. So that's how the Count was immortal and Gideon was immortal and Gwyneth was naturally immortal. It's the natural immortality that gets me because the time shenanigans are very good. The time shenanigans are well, very well thought out. She has her <laughs> rules that she sticks to because that's my biggest thing with time shenanigans. My favorite thing to talk about and critique because a lot of times people will like come up with conventions and then they don't stick to them. 
But I think mm -hmm. this book is very rigid in that, which is important because it's a story about time travel. Yeah. So the fact that you had to explain it to me and the time traveling part made sense. That, right. that works. I like that shit. Mm -hmm. I think there were a lot of things that were extremely well thought out. I think there was just still so much that was missing or was kind of a little bit forced to make it work. Mm -hmm. Like the fact that Gwyneth was immortal because the two bloodlines met within her. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so that was one of my questions, which is why is it their family? Another question is why is it one boy and one girl? Like why is that the lineage? Because also they're not from the same family technically. It's two separate families. Yeah, the Davilliers and the and then the the Montrose. Montrose. How was this discovered? First of all, like with the the time traveling. Well, obviously the time traveling was figured out by the fact that they traveled in time. But like the chronograph and the whole circle of twelve and all of that. Like, how did they discover that? And how did they figure out how to calculate? their dates of births and all of this. Like, I know they had all of these great, brilliant scientific minds at work on all of this, but, you know, if you have no, nothing right. to go on and you don't understand what's happening, how do you know there's going to be 12? How do you know what the specific dates they're going to be born on are? How exactly. do you calculate all of that? And then the fact that they are traveling in time, but they don't know the name of who is going to be what, because they refer to them as the stones. I think that's just kind of dumb. <laughs> no, right. Um, and that's like also where it's like, why did you have all this information if you're not? Yeah, you were lacking. Like, what is the significance of her being a ruby specifically? Because exactly. it's not for fucking Aunt Maddie's dreams because those stop becoming a plot device after book one. They're used as plot devices all throughout. Each has one of hers has significance. No, I mean like, I don't know. It's like the symbolism. I don't I don't get it. I just yeah. feel like it's not super but, necessary. But like why would you not write their names down and then then also refer to them as you know, but so you have that tracker. I don't know. It just that part doesn't make a ton of sense. Which they kind of do. I was a little um, confused by it because I was like, "Oh, there are like 12 different families that all have like time travelers in them and they're right. all like they they keep getting reborn." And mm -hmm. I was like, also, they create two chronographs for some reason. There's one that doesn't work. So then they later are able to magically fix it up, which is I entirely helpful for the whole plot. I don't think it's because it doesn't work. I think it's because they had to start over because Lucy and Paul stole the first one. So they're like, no, Fuck. but they, the, the Lucas mentioned that it doesn't work in his time. And Gwen is like, oh, they managed to like get it working again. There must have been something about, like, Gwen's blood or something with the chronograph. But it it's, like, all of these things, like, it goes on as you start to, like, really delve into it and think about it. There's a lot of things that aren't answered. No, right. And I, like, think, I think that is such a key thing of, like, YA books. Like, at face value, they make so much sense. But then as you start to really delve into the world, a lot of times there's a lot of things, information that's just missing. Right. I really think that the only thing that holds up under scrutiny about this series is the time travel mechanics. Everything else starts mm -hmm. to fall apart the second you start to question it. I think it is really well done with how everything is twisted and tied together. I, uh -huh. I will say that. No, for sure. I don't know. It's okay. It was just okay. It wasn't phenomenal. It wasn't groundbreaking. It was just okay. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, I just feel like it could have just been a time traveling story with like two families that time travel, but she made it more complicated for herself by adding all this information about like genes and lineage. The lore is okay, 
But I feel like she kind of wrote herself into a corner with the whole gene thing. I feel like there's mm-hmm. a way around this to just make it so that it was a time traveling story. With alchemy, of course, because I think that alchemy is like another interesting thing. And of course, like a lot of people like theorize how to make a philosopher's stone. It's like a popular trope in many pieces of media, including like Fullmetal Alchemist, Harry Potter, as we previously discussed. And each piece of media has its own take on creating this philosopher's stone. So I think she could have had it. I just think that she needed a little bit more thought put into everything besides the time traveling, you know? So the other thing is I liked a lot of the tie-ins they had, not only with just the way that the timelines twist and wrap back and forth, but also with just the characters themselves. For example, you find out that Lucy and Paul take on the Bernard name as a way to hide themselves from the the guardians, from the mm-hmm. circle. And then you realize that the butler taking care of the family and helping the Montroses and specifically helping Gwyneth is named Mr. Bernard. Which is probably their kid that they have on the way at the end of the Well, it's probably great-grandkids. Because it was 1912, so it was probably their grandchild or... Well, in the first book, they also are like, Mr. Bernard was old even when Lady Arista was young. So, who knows? It could be their kid. He just could be... It could be their kid. Yeah, he could be their kid. But But they had him in 1912. And this is in 2011. So, he had to be the son of... He had to be the grandson. So, the son of their kid. He could be 98. 97, 98. And doing all of that, like, fully doing butler work? Why not? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I don't know. I feel like it's not the most unheard of thing. I just feel like like a lot of 98-year-olds can't handle all of that. He's he's the two timeline genes combined. If Gwyneth is immortal, he should get something. That's true! Like, I don't know, longevity and good health. So then the question is, all of those kids, do they also get immortality? Because technically they're not in the circle. Like, the the circle of 12 is finished already. Yeah, what about Gwyneth's second cousins? That is to say, her children. Mm Mm-hmm. What about them? What about them? What about them? And with that, do people I think just like should... stop? Do people stop time traveling after this? Like, do they still need to yeah. use a chronograph? I have to know. No, like, so there's no more time traveling. They no are the they only just got 12. rid of it because they closed there's, the circle. There's there's only twelve time travelers. Period. But dude, Gwyneth and Gideon still because they're both named <laughs> after angels. Gideon and Raphael, his brother, who like comes in for some reason. <laughs> that was like a totally asinine plot point. Okay, but uh, Leslie and Raphael, I almost like as much as Gwyneth and Gideon, if not better. No, because, I don't know, that's just me. And with that, let's get into ratings. Let's get into ratings. <laughs> okay, so just to refresh us on the rating scale, I'm going to drop this in the chat for honor while I'm telling y'all about it. We have five categories. We have plot, characters, prose, world building, and straight up vibes. We will score these all on a scale of five, then average mm-hmm. them out for a total star rating for the Precious Stone trilogy. Uh, yes. Honor. Should I go first? You should go first because you started our outline. Plot. First book was solid. Second book was mid. I think the, the biggest downfall of this book is that it dragged. And because I think she was trying to so hard to stretch it to three books, uh, so much happened in the last one for that dramatic tension and not a whole lot happened in the first two at all. So for plot, I'm going to give it a solid three. For characters... I enjoyed them. I wish they had a little bit more depth. I think I'm going to give it another three because they very much were archetypal in nature. Like Charlotte was the stone cold bitch. Leslie was the perky best friend. Zamarius was 
imp. I would argue imp is an archetype. Gideon was tall, dark, and handsome. You know, they just didn't have a whole lot to them. The fact Crows... that none of the siblings actually fought, and they're like, oh, my cute, adorable little siblings. Yeah, they all. it was all of them against Charlotte, which I have to say, you know what? <laughs> Fair enough. Prose, I think, was very appropriate for the world that it was in. And given that it was a translation, I think the translation was really well done. Uh, I can't really speak to the accuracy of it due to me not knowing German. Uh, Shameful. I know, right? I took two years of it in high school. You'd think I'll know. I'll call my friend Shelby. She's studying abroad right now. But you're like, I'm going to need you to read two sets of books and tell me how accurate it is. (laughs) Shelby, I need your input. Uh, (laughs) But for prose, I thought the translation was really well done. I didn't think the words were too immature. I didn't think it was too inappropriate for the type of work that we were reading. Gonna give the prose a solid five. I enjoyed it. World building. Because the time traveling shenanigans are so, 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 so good. I'm gonna give it a four. And everything else knocks off the points that we talked about. Where it's just like those inconsistencies and things that weren't really thought all the way through. Vibes. It is something about this series. I'm gonna give the vibes a four. Because I... Hey! <laughs> I didn't hate it. Because... Here's the thing, even though nothing happened in the first book and it took forever for shit to happen for the first time, I didn't really notice that shit wasn't happening until I thought about it. And I was like, wait a minute, we're almost at the end of the book and nothing has fucking happened. I think I got a little irritated with it in the second book. The third book was okay too. But overall, those are my ratings. I'm locking it in. Honor, what did I rate it? You rated it a... 3.8 out of 5 stars. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. All things considered. Anyway, mm-hmm. honor. Yes, I will ma'am. get out my calculator. Now, I will say I I am lovingly rose-colored glasses mm-hmm. biased about this book. So I'm going to be as accurate as I can be. Okay. But the vibes are going to be off-kilter. I'm sorry. No, that's why we have the vibes category, because it's irrational. I know. I know. Um, it's just so much fun. So plot... Like I said, I, I feel like there is a lot that is really well tied together. And I, I frankly enjoy it a lot, but I agree. I think the third book, especially the second half of the third book, rushes through a lot just to get it to all tie together and make sense for what was hinted at. This should be happening later. Nothing happens and so, then everything happens. Yeah. So I'm going to give it a four. Okay. I didn't I didn't fully feel like the first two books were empty. It does take a while to get things started, but I think that's because they're trying to develop through the characters and the relationships and the drama of it, so I don't mind that as much. Mm-hmm. But the fact that they did rush that last portion, I agree. With the characters, I love all of the characters. They're very archetypal, but I think they're really well done because I fully love and can engage with each character, even Charlotte. And so for that, I am going to give them a 4.5 stars. Okay. I I do think they are archetypal. There could have been better with that, but it is a 2012 YA novel. So I'm taking that into account (laughs) as much as I can. The prose, I think, is very well done. I think it's very fitting of like a young teen girl and I think it's very easy for readers to read and understand again I don't know German so I don't know how accurate the translation is but the translation was quite well done shout out Anthea Bell for translating this book into English I love you so much (laughs) good job Anthea gave me one of my favorite series so for that I also am going to give it five stars 
I, I think right. it's well done. I didn't really have any issues with it. For world building, there are a lot of things left open, like things I wanted to know. Do Gwen's mother Gideon's and Falk uncle. get together? Yeah, God, I hope uncle. not. That family's already way too intermingled. <laughs> no, but like, <laughs> like, like, they don't explain anything. Or like, does Mr. Bernard know about his connection to Gwyneth? He has um, to. The whole James being a ghost thing, was it actually a fever dream or was that a plot hole in the con- time continuum? You know what I mean? Like, No, he died of a fever. So it's like, okay, well, but see, yeah, but see, so then why, if, if she then saves him from dying of a fever, how does he then oh, die of fuck. a fever for her? Yeah, thank you. You figured it out. Yeah. Yeah. So four stars for the world building. Because there was quite a lot that was really excellently done, but there is still a lot. For example, their whole family history, all of, like all of that. Why is it their family? Like, or what is it about the genetics? You know. Mm-hmm. Anyway. No, I get where you're coming from. Yeah, four stars. As much as I love them, but vibes, vibes are five stars all the way, baby. I love this. <laughs> I eat it up every time. I'm on, like, round three or four of rereading this, so. (laughs) And it's only been out for, like, ten years. Embarrassing for me. Yeah. Uh, Ten years last year. All right. And I didn't get it when it originally came out in English, so. Anyway. Oh, you've you've reread this, like, quite a bit, huh? All right. You have rated this series Mm 4.5 stars. Hey! You know, that's pretty pretty good. That's pretty accurate for how I feel about it. That's good. That's good. All right. I feel like I was pretty good about not being too terribly biased, so. Sure. <laughs> Rude. Uh, and with that, thank you very much for listening. We upload episodes bi-weekly. That is once every other week, not twice a week. That is too, too much, much reading. reading. That wasn't together. Follow us on our other social media pages, including Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. When we Which decide we are... to upload there. Well, I mean, if you're listening here, you're listening here. You're not listening to YouTube, so. Exactly. So it's, yeah. Uh, yeah. Honest <laughs> to God. Give us a follow and a like if you like what we do. And you can also drop suggestions there. Or if you're listening to Spotify, you can drop suggestions right there as well. We will get to them eventually. We've done quite a few requests in the past, including Shatter Me was a request. I believe Sky Hunter was a request. Invisible Life of Addie LaRue. That was a request. And we have a bunch more requests lined up. So to those who have given them and haven't seen them yet, it's coming. I promise. We have a list. A very important a list. list. We are tracking every single one. Like maybe... Oh, I actually don't think we have any more requests for this season. No, we've literally... Not for this season, no. Yeah, not for this season. But we do have a special episode coming out for the very last episode of this season yeah stay tuned for straight vibes with us we'll get a little meta with it we'll talk about the books that we read we'll have like an oscars like ceremony it's award season it won't be award season when that uh episode comes out but join us for some vibes we'll be talking about what we've learned podcasting what we're hoping to do better and hopefully committing to a second season we'll see how grad school treats us because we're both gonna be grads I signed up for my classes on Monday. I'm so excited. Thank you very much for listening. And we will see you (laughs) in two weeks time. 
for what might be an emotional episode. Who can say? We haven't shed any tears yet. And that is a wrap.